Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 16th of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Wallace for HockeyHits.com. Um, and we are back. Had a, had a week off last week. Had some scheduling uh, hiccups. We had a busted shit door in Australia. That was why we missed it, all right? I couldn't do it because my house had broken. Well, there it is. Blame the Australian. Correct. Um, so we missed a little bit of stuff. Um, <laughs> go figure. Daniel Sprung got traded during that time. We will talk go figure about he's, that. Go figure he starts scoring. <laughs> well, yeah. We will, we will definitely talk about that. <laughs> we will talk about Chris Letang being hurt and what that kind of means, even though it looks like it, it's not going to be long term so that's good but we thought we might lead off in uh, some different areas uh, Seattle just approved officially uh, they're going to be the 32nd team in the NHL and we also are going to talk about the St. Louis Blues being just is it for, from what it sounds like going to be in cell mode so there's, there's some interesting players in St. Louis not only for the Penguins, but uh, for really. Yeah. League-wide. <laughs> so, um, we'll lead off with Seattle. And it's official now. But I think we're both a little disappointed from what we're hearing. Well, the fact that they're not going to use the name Sasquatch is annoying. Sometimes the most obvious one is the best option. Um, don't call them the Metropolitans or any. Don't try and outsmart yourself. Not, okay, so we were obviously both really pro Sasquatch because one. Well, I have to change my Twitter handle soon, obviously. <laughs> and it, well, yes, or or <laughs> you know, revolt. Keep it. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be like, oh damn, you didn't change it. We gotta. We should rethink this. A little shade. <laughs> It's disappointing to me because of the logos they could have used. The Obviously, the Supersonics mascot could be revived for them, much like how Montreal used Yuppie from the Expos to the Canadians. I don't see why the, the Supersonics mascot, which was, I believe, a Sasquatch, right? They used to do Correct. flips and slam dunks. Yes, he was awesome. Yeah, dust the... Dust that guy off, give him some skates, and uh, something, and and get him get that team into the green and gold, which isn't a color scheme in the NHL. Surprisingly, uh, they're doing none of it. From, I don't. Yeah, it's almost Seattle are going to end up with with the Sonics back, right? And they're going to get all the history back, and they're going to get all of that stuff back. So maybe that's why they're reluctant to do the carbon copy of the colors and all those kinds of things. But it works in other cities. Like, look at Pittsburgh, for fuck's sake. Like, it works. So I don't know why this, they're trying to try, – don't reinvent the wheel. You've got good color scheme. Um, who cares if both teams had the same uh, mascot? And who cares if the Sasquatch logo was similar? Like, if the Sonics mascot was the same as the Seattle hockey team's Logo. Like, who cares? Like, it, it, it would be a good way to integrate everything into the city again. I, it's just, it just feels like, you know, everyone keeps talking about Jerry Brookheim as a part of this and he's going to make it something magnificent. Don't overthink it. It's hockey. It's not a movie. I can tell you right now, there ain't nothing fucking magnificent about being the Metropolitans or the Pilots or any of these other stupid-ass names. You can't call them the space. Like, that's the other thing. Like, the the shoulder patches, you could have that Sonics logo with the space needle on the side of it as well. Like, you could re you could integrate both things in really well. And uh, I know that they're going to be two separate franchises, so two, sep two, lots of, two separate lots of owners and those sorts of things. But the I think it would be wiser for both teams to intertwine themselves with each other because Seattle struggled when they couldn't get a new arena, all they're doing, as far as I can tell, is upgrading key arena. Have I got that wrong, or are they building a whole brand new one? Um, 
whatever they're doing, it looks pretty sweet. So I'm sure it would be. It's brand new, like even if they upgraded key. So I mean, they're obviously going to have a, a large venue size now, which was what screwed the Sonics. And the city quite rightfully wouldn't throw money in, and that's why they got shipped. So um, maybe they'll be able to stand alone from each other, same building. Now, but I just thought it would have been quite sort of about inter- the Sonics. You're talking like they got a team. Is that the case? They 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 will come back. They they're pushing for it. I can't see a situation where they won't. You, you are have a to be a Sonics expertise. fan, though. Yes. Correct. I I. Stepped away from the NBA once I lost the Sonics. I still watch it in passing and all those sorts of things. Um, but if the Sonics came back, then I would definitely be back to trying to squeeze in NBA games into my uh, hectic uh, hockey schedule. So, yes, I am all pro Sonics. I used to launch threes with Detlef Shrimp in uh, NBA Jam. Oh, I used to just not pass it when I had Sean Kemp and just dunk on everybody's head. So uh, that was my era, and that's why it was tragic when they wouldn't pay him money either. So Seattle needs to stop being cheap. And he needed the money. He has like 50 kids. Well, yes. Yeah, he does. He does. Apparently one of those 50 kids is quite good as well. So maybe he might get the money back on that multiple return. Um, I guess I was most disappointed by the color scheme that was kind of insinuated at that conference that kid had a jersey on that that was yeah. red black with a little bit of green no one no one wants red and black nobody it's a bad look yeah the hurricanes awful color scheme the blackhawks when they use black it's stupid I it's it's interesting for me because it does feel like when new teams are really rare. You know now? Do you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. really hard to create a new team and bring it in. So it's almost like when you get that opportunity to do it, and I've said this a hundred times already on the podcast, they try to think they have to do something completely different to separate themselves from what else is out there in the NHL. The thing is, though, you're going into a city that doesn't have an NHL team. Yeah, there's an AHL team there. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel for that city. There's no that You're not competing against another level of team in that league. It's not like it's New York. It's not like it's, you know, Southern California where you, you've got three teams competing in the one state. It's just Seattle. That's it. So just do the simple things right and, and they will come. I guess it's kind of going through acceptance of the color scheme and the team name not being good. <laughs> Look, I, I got a Fleury jersey because I love that Vegas jersey. If they totally screwed up that jersey, I probably wouldn't have got one. So no, it was an interesting uh, design. Yeah, I quite like it. And, and, you know, who knows? We might hate the colour scheme of what they do with the Seattle one, but heaps of people might like it and we look like morons. But I am not liking what's coming out at the moment. Put it that way. Yeah. So in the future, we will obviously cover off on personnel moves. I think we're a little bit removed from that right now. I saw some people doing some of the... uh, protectionless it, the the athletic is so all over it they're already writing up expansion draft articles and all those sorts of things like the bonus of having as many writers as they do is they can just go spend time on this and go off and do it it feels like they're almost an old school newspaper because they have enough staff now to do deep dives that feels like it's too early for to be getting deep dives on those sorts of things yeah, there's still a lot to uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot to happen. I mean, uh, it was I obviously I did one on my own. That that was a lot of work. Yeah, uh, that was. Um, 
and you know i know i didn't get it all right i think i left ricard raquel exposed which you know as soon as i published it i'm like oh jesus <laughs> what the fuck am i doing um it's not hard to this one though is it i valued the d more than um i should have with that one but they had a lot of no movement clauses yeah heaven be had true. one and ultimately they did have to trade like some younger pieces and a draft pick to get out of that problem so um yeah that's um in the next year or so maybe i'll uh get back to that but i'm gonna leave things be for a while there's so many roster moves that um are gonna happen so i don't see the point of somebody no. on their own doing it but i do understand a big uh corporation that has lots of employees doing it correct now the thing is if you were seattle you'd probably try and target tarasenko right well he might not be available by then he might get traded somewhere else first because the correct blues are reportedly kind of a fire sale kind of team right now that didn't take they they were not expecting to be what they are. Yeah, and I don't know why you feel the need to have a fire sale because I still don't think the roster is bad. I there must the be something going on in that room. There, there must be something off inside that that locker room for them yeah, to be going up. Never we're get blowing this up. Save. It's probably pissing them off. Yeah. JK I mean, they haven't fights, and they just keep well, going back to him. I don't. I don't under. The thing with, I only put Tarasenko up because if they're going to do it, they can send him anywhere they want. This year, I think July one, no trade clause kicks in. So if they're going to do it and get to send him wherever they want, they have to do it this year. So it doesn't have to be now, but it has to be done. Prior to, otherwise he'll just veto probably half the options they want to send him to. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know why you would trade him. Now you gotta have some talent on your roster. He's twenty six and he's underpaid, and his shooting percentage is in the tank right now. You can't just look at that and be like, "Geez, he's way down from his career average." And ask yourself, do I really think this guy's bad now? And of course the answer is no. So you gotta use some common sense. Because I, I've heard like, you know, Petriangelo, not that I got that right, and Pirate, I'm not even gonna get his name right either. They they are looking to literally push anybody out if they can get the type of return back that they want. Yeah, the one person you don't hear about being traded is the aforementioned problem you brought up, which is Jake Allen. Because no one wants his ass. Well, that usually is a problem, isn't it? <laughs> hey, we got this guy that's fucked everything up the last few years. Uh, anybody want him? Crickets. Um, <laughs> now, Penguins being where they are and knowing that they're going to trade their first round pick, I think that's like the safest bet ever. I was going through St. Louis's roster what it would cost to acquire some of these players. Um, Pietrangelo, I think, is um, not a reasonable target. Pareko, well, um, I think would really help out. Pittsburgh, I think it's they don't have the futures for something like that. Tarasenko, uh, I mean, you're talking that would be a tough one. I don't know who even Jake Gensel in a trade. Other teams are going to have better offers. We well, can't really trade Tarasenko for Kessel. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense for the Blues at all. Correct. Like you, you think about, and this is what happens whenever you get to the tail end of your window. You run out of assets. 
whether you do it perfectly or whether you, you do it, you know, 50-50 in regards to getting trades right and getting trades wrong, you're always going to run out of assets towards the tail end of your your your, your, your win-now window. So if, if that's the case, you just got to hope that the other general manager just fucks up and, and, and you know, you kind of hope that St. Louis does. If you're Pittsburgh, otherwise you've got nothing. Like you, like you said, you just don't have the assets to grab the stuff that you would want from their roster. Now there is one. Yeah, I wrote about it. It would be Jaden Schwartz, who has great numbers. Little, you know, he's missed some some games recently, which has been problematic. But at around five million. And I heard the asking price is two first-round picks, which if that's the asking price, chances are it's not going to be that much. You know? Like, that would yeah, be yeah, yeah. I would think about on the left wing. Um, but at the same time, are we talking about a luxury piece at this point? Because I... the back end's just so bad. Well, I wonder. I wonder whether you the two, the twenty seventeen cup terrible defensive team, right? They got by on great goaltending and an offense that scored timely goals and you know bailed them out at times. But that wasn't what you'd call a an awesome defensive set of players. You could just go all in on the on the front half of the roster and. And instead of having your elite players blow the zone a little early, just have them play a little deeper and just say, well, we're skilled enough that we can skate it out and pass our way out. This is the other option you've got if you ignore the defense. Because you're right, it is it is pretty close to a uh, an overabundance if you go that way. But you've got to change the way you go about what you're doing because this team is not great in the back six. No, it's really bad. And it, you know, it's going to be really obvious depending on how long Latang misses, because then Dumoulin isn't the player he is. He's he's a complimentary piece. He's not, and a really good one at that. Like that's not a that's not a negative on Dumoulin. It's just that when you put him with somebody that's like great, Dumoulin is high level good. Yeah, he does a, just does a lot of basic things good. But basic things good when your partner's below average, you're not going to... We saw what happened with Ron Hainsey. And you see what happens when you know he's away from Chris Letang and with other people. The only exception to this might be Justin Schultz, but there's an obvious problem with that. And... <laughs> That is Justin Schultz is hurt. <laughs> um, he's the he's the wild card in I reckon the Penguins season this year. If he can come back and play at ninety percent of the Justin Schultz that I would expect, they might be okay with the current collection of players they have. But if he comes back and he's not that. I, they're probably going to be uh, one rounded out. I reckon they'll make the playoffs. I was a little skeptical earlier, but I think they're going to get their shit together enough that they'll make it. But division's terrible. It, that's helping them out amazingly. Um, our predictions so far this year have been a disgrace. Um, yep. So you, you sit there with it, and and you're right, Dumoulin. They're probably going to put Jack Johnson up there, aren't they? I don't know. I'm so sick of watching him play hockey. But you, you know what I'm saying. It's it's just, the numbers might tell you one thing, but what the coaching staff seem to think that certain players are able to do is different to what the numbers are, are telling you. It's interesting. Well, to Jack's credit, he did have an awesome game against Ottawa, and that was with Marcus Pedersen, who uh, just came over from Anaheim and the Daniel Sprong trade. Uh, but despite that game where neither of them gave up a shot attempt together, 
I think they're still sub fifty percent as a pairing. It it's funny when it's like a, a goalie having a, a sh- like a couple of shutouts in a space of five games, but their season save percentage is still below nine hundred. Oh, you mean and you sit there. Flurry when he had ten shutouts and somehow he had a below average save percentage. Yeah, and everybody's like, like, well, that. he had ten shutouts. Well, he's a wire. He's not so fast. What's, what's Poland hit the other way then? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, same same thing. It's not to disparage the good that happens. And again, this Jack Johnson conversation, this that's going to happen for a long time because he's signed forever, and there's no accountability with his play as far as ice time. They, they he, don't have he the flexibility. is eventually going to have good games. He is going to make good plays over the course of huge samples. And I, I just it's crazy to me that you gotta always say that yes, those do happen, but holy cow, the other stuff outweighs it so much. Yeah. The the what aboutism from politics that creeps into sports is uh, annoying. Well, Particularly it, when people think we did, we think he's going to make a bad play every play. No, I, I get that, but it's the so f- fucking ridiculous. It it's frustrating because one thing in the world in general that's sort of getting pushed away is like facts, like scientific facts, and and the thing that's annoying is that as far as I'm concerned, statistics are sporting facts. It shows you what has happened previously, and when you get Young players and their sample sizes are small. The reliability and the statistical variance on those sorts of things could be quite high. As the sample sizes get larger and the players get older, those error bars shrink. And we had really small error bars with what Jack Johnson was. And I suppose that's where your frustration and my frustration comes from. Listen, that's where mine comes from because the numbers were there. They have a guy in their collective that talks to them about this kind of stuff, and they still ignored him, I'm assuming. But when you know we I mean? talk about a weakness on the team being the defense, and they and they poured, and that was one of their main off-season moves, and the off-season being the easiest time to revamp your roster, I don't know how people can get mad that you talk about it. Hey, you pay him a mill and you pay him as a third-pairing defenseman and I'm way off Jack Johnson's case because oh, you've got flexibility. I still think it would be ridiculous, I, but you're right. I get it. A mill, you can work around it a little bit. But 3.25, I mean, and you got to get rid of Connor Sherry to do it. Well, the other thing for me is like, we could shift across it to LA, I suppose. Like, you wrote a piece on LA in regards to their defensemen. I got there and thought about it in the sense of ship out Brassard for Carter, have them for this season keep the two mil to balance out their contract, and then you've got three centers that I would trust. Brassard's been a real disappointment for me. I really thought he'd produce a little more than he has. No, it hasn't. Um... It hasn't worked. Whatever the reasons may be, pre-injury, he had that mini streak, which was positive. Uh, But at this point, I suppose you can only take that for what it was, six games. Yeah. Because there's been plenty of opportunity to um, do better. Yeah, he's not. It's it's just one of those things where just doesn't fit, hasn't worked. Have no problem with the idea of the trade. Yeah, we, beat the, right we beat the general manager up enough on this podcast, but I don't think either of us have any problem with going for that kind of trade. Nope, nope, not at all. That was I, that was exactly the right thing to do. I agree. Yeah, I'm not going to criticize that one. That one, this has just been one of those things, and it's weird. It makes no sense to me. I'm sure it makes it's frustrating to them. It makes no sense to them as well. Yeah. It 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 seemed like an obvious hey, this guy's kind of an offensive third line center. We got enough wingers to go around. He shouldn't get hard matchups. Fuck it, let's do it. 
And yeah. it costs them Ian Cole, which hurt their team for in that season because they never really replaced that part. But he wasn't going to resign, so that's a negligible asset overall. Same with the first-round pick because <laughs> those are being traded anyways. Um, the the yeah. goaltending prospect... Um, that's an interesting one, because just looking at how they've kind of had a weird weird uh, year and a half with Matt Murray. So, But from, from when that trade was made, I, once again, you don't blame them. You look at where they were situationally, you know, 18 months ago, you go, yeah, sure, that makes perfect sense. I, I, I can't blame that trade in, in regards to you don't know that Matt Murray is going to be quite as up and down as he has been. He certainly showed no signs of uh, being like that, particularly with the style of, of goaltender he is. He's not so much a goalie that saves pucks, he blocks pucks. You know, and, and that's what a lot of goalies from his generation that have come through are. You know, play the angles. Theoretically, you shouldn't get quite as injured. Um, you should be able to hold up pretty well. The consistency had been there. I've got no problem with that. I mean, you get there and pray as a Penguins fan, he doesn't turn into a Steve Mason where he was like, had a massive purple patch at the start of his career and then quite rightfully keeps getting chance after chance after chance and it just doesn't quite come together for him again. So, um, goalies are, <clears throat> excuse me, goalies are a weird breed, but yeah, I'd do that trade every time. Um, you said Jeff Carter. I don't even know what a trade like that looks like. Just swap him for Prasad. They obviously want to get because they because they want to get rid of salary cap and Brassard's a free agent and they can have him walk and have the cap space that they want and they don't have Carter on the books for another four years. Why can't they trade him anywhere else? Oh, I'm looking at purely from a biased Penguins perspective, man. Come on, but yes, you make a completely good point. Like, there's a better deal to be had than that. Absolutely, there is. Yep, absolutely. Um. Now, Jake Muzzin is interesting to me because he's, analytically, he's been a great player for a long time. He's still very good, and he has um, an acceptable amount of offense that he's able to produce at even strength. And that's the key, really, at even strength, because if we can rewind back to the Tarasenko pie-in-the-sky conversation we were having (laughs) earlier... You're going to trade for Tarasenko to what? Put him on the second power play? Where Where's he? He's not. Sid and Gino are on that side. I'm sorry. That's. You're, you're just, take, just take Latang off. Luck. Just take Latang off and play Gino at the point. <laughs> <laughs> nah. See, the, the cost to acquire and then not having, like. Yes, absolutely. That spot, that's why Schwartz makes more sense. For more me. sense, absolutely. Less Lower cost. Player, great five-on-five player. Um, if there were injuries, kind of guy you could plug in and do well. Um, but back to the Kings. Muzzin, uh, from what I looked at, really good passing statistics uh, when we had to be lectured over the summer by certain people that it was the outlet passes why Jack Johnson was valuable, which clearly he's not good at. (laughs) Um, Muzzin is good at it. Just out of curiosity, is he playing with Dowdy? No. Or is he playing on the second pairing? No, he hasn't really played. uh, He has never really been stapled to Drew Dowdy. Right, so uh, they, this they, is him driving what he does together himself. at times, obviously, um, because they've both been teammates for a while. But no, they are not a regular uh, duo. Yeah, so he's he's doing it himself, theoretically. I'd assume he'd be driving the line, the pairing that he's playing on. So, And I think, you know... Olimata in a in a first round pick. They get younger, they play a slower game. 
Oh, I think your argument sits quite nicely for for that particular that particular move. And yeah, Mart has not looked good with anybody since Niskanen left. I've been beating that. Oh, I know you've been beating that drum for a while. I just, I don't know. Sometimes you get feelings about players. Um, And then when you kind of look at the information about that player, nothing really stands, he's, nothing ever stands out for him. And I've seen enough analysis where, you take a five-game sample for him, and you can come up with some positives. But when you really stretch these samples out, uh, besides his rookie year, none of it, none of it speaks to. Do you think he has enough cachet around the league still, or do you think the shine has gone off him too much? That's a really tough question. He's a two-time. Cup champion, regular at the, defenseman. At the age of 24. First round pick. Like, there's all that that comes with it. Uh, but if I were evaluating him from another organization, I would look at his quality of teammate and really ask myself, what's going on here? What The, the success he's had, why has he had it? And it's really only come with Niskanen and Latang. But maybe this off season's the year. I, I think his skating will improve this time. <laughs> You're such a smartass. <laughs> every year without fail. I think his skating looks better. Do you? <laughs> like, what the fuck? you got to have something to be optimistic about it at the year. When you've got a team like the Penguins that you pretty much know what you're getting from everybody, you got to look for something to talk about until you get into the season. We barely spoke about the Penguins for the first couple of weeks because there wasn't a lot to talk about. And then it all went south. And then, you know, most of our podcasts have been, you know, Penguins heavy, which was going to happen at some point. But that's what you've got to, you know, it's like freaking Matt Cullen comes back. Gets caved in possession-wise, scores a couple of goals, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, Cullen's Dad back to Dad came back goes. after getting his pack of smokes. Yeah. That's funny, actually. <laughs> um, Matt Cullen has to produce offense to be valuable, and the last few games he has. Uh, the possession stuff's never coming back. No, and and the players that he plays with, if if they don't produce, they're not going to be able to help him out. So they're going to get caved and get scored on. I mean, I, I saw somebody tweet out the plus-minus between Crosby and Malkin. It was and, Yowie. Yeah, and, and so you sit there with that and go, yeah, there's a massive difference, but... Um, you know, what's causing that? I mean, what do you think's causing that problem? Well, I, I I did look into it a little bit. And I'll give you one guess who Malkin's most common defense player is. Did they just sign him this year? Yes, they may have. Yeah. Um, Jack Johnson's the... Evgeny Malkin's most common line mate as a defenseman. And Chris Letang is the fourth. Yeah, so when you look at the fact that Gino's struggling to get on the hop, <clears throat> there could be some factors that are external to what Malcolm does that are doing that. And Sid's number one defense person is? You would assume it'd be Latang. It is. Yeah. And that's fine. It's just the problem you've got is you don't have Schultz. So you can't lob Schultz with, with Gino or flip, flip Latang and, and Schultz with either or of the two centers. So it's it's a result of that injury that Gino's getting shafted at the moment. And, you know, I, as long as this team's in a position to make the playoffs, whether it's as a wild card or whether they get in, in the third spot or whatever, if they've got Latang and Schultz healthy at the end of the year, they can it's win a couple look, of rounds. That's for sure. 
they can win a couple of rounds if they've got average goaltending. If they suddenly get above average goaltending, they could go a lot further. But there's a lot of ifs and buts I've just come up with there. Yeah, and we we don't know what um, what the trades are going to look like either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't think the roster's done shifting. If you don't I know. would find it very hard that Rutherford would sit on his hands the rest of the way. Like, that's impossible to believe. Yeah, the first-round pick is in play. It, it has to be. It's past the point of making sense to keep it. You're talking about a later half first-round pick in a three-year window when even if you nail that pick, what are we talking, two years from now they play? Well, not if you're Daniel Sprong, you don't play. Well, and there we go. Uh, What proof is there of them playing? Yeah, they're not. This coaching staff is not going to play the young guys. If you have a look at all the guys that are playing right now, they're all the ones that Sullivan got to know down in Wilkesbury Scranton. He doesn't trust young players. He trusts the guys that he he coached down a level. There's no secret method to him being a young player whisperer. Youngest player on the on the roster in the forwards, I think, is 24. Yeah, so. You know, it's by the time we recorded this, it's old news. But you know, they finally decided to pull the plug on uh, the Daniel Sprong experiment, and they traded for Marcus Pedersen. Hey, at least they went to an area where they know they're struggling. Like I get that, I understand that. It's just it's such a low value back for such a a player that has such a high ceiling. Yeah, Pedersen's going to be about impairing. Kind of, hopefully you don't hear his name called a lot during a game kind of player. Yeah, and then you're happy. <laughs> Which, you know, doesn't fit my philosophy of roster building when you are talking about a player whose name uh, you, are, you, you can hear quite a bit in a broadcast. And Sprung, uh, since leaving, has... Three goals, scored twice last night in a 2-1 to one overtime win, so he had the overtime winner as well. Uh, all three shots, pretty... He's got two really bad angle shots. One he roofed. Uh, it was impressive to even like hit the net from where you are, even if there wasn't a goalie. Uh, the other bad angle one was more luck in the fact that it squeezed through inside the Bobrovsky in the post. But the overtime one had a built-in screen, and he just uh, used his the best asset he has shooting, got it through, and got it top corner from from distance. And he also has a shootout winner. So, um, it's just the bizarre. Ducks really aren't complaining. No, uh, the skill set that he has fits what Pittsburgh needed. He can skate and he can shoot. And it was just bizarre that. A little bit Brassardish, I suppose. Couldn't get it to work. <clears throat> Didn't really try to get it to work, though. And the team obviously felt like he was disappointing. It wouldn't surprise me if Brassard ends up like Sprong. Gets moved on for less value than he probably should. Yeah. The Spr- well, it's two really different situations. Of course it is. Um, the thing with Sprong is the the quality of teammate stuff. He he's not playing. I guess he had a game with Getzlaff, but that was just kind of a small. They had some injury shuffling to do, but he's been with Henrique and maybe Richie, which you know, needless to say, Adam Henrique is better than anything he got in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But the Ducks are a bad possession team. He is not driving possession, so everything is not all roses for him in Anaheim. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to drive possession. No, he's not a possession driver type of player. He's a finish it off kind of guy. But I just don't want to um, present it as he's been totally awesome. Oh, but, no, of course not. You know, the things he does well are very dynamically game-changing. 
Yeah. And I don't think they ever cared to find out if well, they could the th- do it. You can't, you can't do anything with the timing of this, but they've lost Hornquist and they lost Simone. Two players in their top six right after they got rid of him. If there was ever a chance that you could have thrown him up there to just try and find out, right now would have been it. You're not having to have him fight. You could just get there and go, look, Hornquist is out for X. You know, they know, even though they don't tell us. We know Hornquist is out for X amount of time. Just go up, play with these two guys, whether it be Crosby or Malkin. Just play with them. You're going to get 15 minutes a night. You're not going to get any power play time. But just go up and do it. Show us what you've got. Just take some of the pressure of every time he makes a mistake, he knows he's getting benched off. The amount of errors you see certain guys make and they pay no price for their ice time, yet every little thing he did wrong, no ice time. It was just bizarre how he was handled. if you hate his guts and you know you're going to trade him, I would still give him that quality of teammate because the the player back you're going to give is going to be better than Marcus Pedersen. Yeah. Just strange handling of a particular asset that quite clearly had a personality clash, it seems like, with the coach. Um, and the coach and the general manager did not seem to be on the same page with that particular player. And this is what happens when you have poor asset management. You get low value back, and for a team that is, you know, has some serious holes in it that are getting covered over by the fact they have some superstar talent, makes things difficult. Yeah, it's 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 tough to screw the value up when you're at that that time period where you don't have a lot of things that you can move for value that don't affect the current roster. A lot of their trades options now are we have to move something off of the current roster that has value, um, and that it's always a dicey thing. Well, lob back to the you know the silly whole Tarasenko Kessel thing, right? You want to keep Kessel and Teres. You want to keep Kessel so you've got both of them. But Pittsburgh have got nothing that they could offer off the roster. Well, and you, to get Tarasenko, you're talking like a Gensel and a Murray and a first kind of deal. Yeah, and then what does that do to the rest of the roster? It's just it just all falls apart, sort of thing. So, and they're going to have to pay Gensel next year. I know he's an RFA, but I can't see him being able to screw him down. That's going to be a five and a half-ish endeavor. Yeah, I don't know. They're just, yeah, it'll, they don't have. Five and a half seems fair. It does. They just have no roster flexibility now. Like they're at that point where uh, I would have suggested, like you said, drafting for skill at every draft pick and praying that someone breaks out out of nowhere and you get them cheap for three years. But it well, requires like, I, a few I, things I do to happen. Think they did better this past draft this June. Uh, Kalen Addison, uh, Philip Holander, stuff like that. Uh, even those guys, it's going to take time before they're ready. Yeah. And they don't really have that weight, do they? Time is not really, you know, in favor of, the. Uh, you know, they can't really wait. No, which means it's, it's asset moving. And like you said, I, I feel like they've run out of assets to shift that's not going to take away from the current active roster. Uh, the best thing you got going for you is somebody thinks Mata's good. Which, whenever you, you sort of listen to Canadian broadcasts, the reason I asked you about the whole, do you think the shine's got off him, whenever you listen to the... Like, I always try to listen to the, the non-Penguins broadcast. And it still sounds like to the broadcasters that Marta has cachet. I just you get there and go, that's going to have to diminish sooner or later, isn't it? 
Maybe not. Fingers crossed for Pittsburgh. (laughs) Yeah. It would be nice for them. Uh, Brian Rust is another player you got to really think about. What kind of value versus keeping. Yeah, and, you know, he's coming off the hat trick and another goal, but at three and a half mil, his production's been unacceptable this year. You need it more consistently than you've got it. I think that's the problem. He may have... He's had too many uh, flat spots throughout this season, and he may end up with 20 at the end of the year, but he's going to have to get him in clubs. And and you don't need him to have another 20-game gap where he gets nothing. It's just that's not depth scoring. Yeah. It's been it's been a tough year for him, and some of it has been unlucky. Uh, but he's not a playmaker, so the assists aren't gonna magically rack up unless like you're playing with Sid and you just kind of get points just because. <laughs> yes, but he does do he yet. does do things that have value for me. I think he's really great at controlled entries. He does a really great job of building speed through the neutral zone and gaining uh, the other team's blue line. He does it quite frequently. Um, and I've looked into it in the past. That it, it, It's a it's a definite skill that he has. So you, you sit there and, and go, you play him on the third line with Brassard, and it, just, it hasn't worked. Like, they've sort of had Rust up and down the lineup. And for all the good entries that Rust is providing – He's not getting the on-ice results, as you said, quality of teammate. And I would have thought Prasad would have been a good enough quality of teammate to make things happen. But as we said earlier, it's not working. So, yeah, Rust has struggled, but it's not all on him. Like, you've got to have teammates that are putting the puck in the net or creating for others, and, and Brassard hasn't hasn't done that at all. No. Um. I suppose another place that they could find a third-line center. Because if you move Broussard, you can't go with Sheehan, Sheehan and uh, Cullen. You, you cannot. Well, we think you can't. I, I, I don't think they think they can either. Oh, I hope you're right. Well, they clearly traded for Broussard. Doesn't that tell you that what they think of that? True, but they still don't mind throwing Brassard up into the top six as a winger and, and running with it. I know they always fall back to going, well, this really doesn't work, but they still keep looking like they want to believe that it might happen. I'm fine with it if they're trying to get him going to boost his value. Yeah, kind of deal. Well. That, 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 that logic I can get down with because if, if the experiment, if they truly don't think he can snap out of... Um, not just not being the impact player they thought he was going to be, then they they do have to cut bait and maximize the value somehow um, and move him. But I would think about somebody like Charlie Coyle in Minnesota, who apparently um, his name's been brought up for trade stuff. I like Coyle. And I think the Wild would be... Um, amenable to something centered around Broussard. Yeah, it's just not worked in pit for him. And he has been good elsewhere. And I don't think at 31, he's going to be... Well, maybe he might be one of those players that hits that 31 wall and just goes south. It's just the thing with Coyle, if if you're looking at it from Minnesota's point of view... He's 26, Broussard's 31, and he's a UFA at the end of this year, whereas Coyle's a UFA at the end of next year. With the way their salary is structured, I just wonder whether they want more certainty with trying to fill that roster hole because they'll have to go to free agency. I don't know. It could be one of those things where they just get frustrated. Yeah, that's true. Well, listen to us talking about Broussard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, just be smart asses and just steal Nino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they really do need to find a center, and it's not—it's not easy. Um, it probably it 
wasn't easy to get Broussard. Look at all the hoops they had to jump through salary-wise and three-way trade. Yeah. Um, th- that trade really set them back, even though it was well thought out. Yeah, as as we've said, I'm happy with the trade. I, I The result just wasn't what it was. This one made sense to me. So... Um, I guess the only other things really, hopefully Latang comes back because if he doesn't, um, you're really looking at the 2017 formula with Matt Murray coming off of an injury. Having he did, he, I thought he played well last night. He let in a really crappy third goal, even though it was on the power play. Um, that was an easy cross ice pass to track, and the shooting angle wasn't that great. So. Uh, but he made big saves in overtime. He finished with like a 920-ish save percentage overall, and I think that's more than acceptable to get from your goalie on any night. And... So I suppose the only concern for me is that that point you made, if he let in one bad goal, that's been his problem all year. And if they want to go anywhere, that's the part of his game that has to change. Yeah, but he backed it up with high danger saves, and, and that has been lacking. Yeah, yeah, okay. I suppose that's true. It's just that's the it's the it's the one thing that, that has been DeSmith's sort of problem as well. Has he's made some great saves and, and dunk I think, you know, I've been happy with what he's done, but there's been too many of those you can't give that one up sort of moments. I think for a team with all of them, you know. Yeah, I know. Just it felt like like you said, Pittsburgh were really lucky for a couple of years there where they had top-quality goaltending where you didn't hear that statement as often. No, and the real problem is the back end and elite goaltending from both Murray and Flurry during that 2017 run hid so many of the flaws of the team. And if you get average or even above average, it's not going to be enough without Latang. It's just not. Yeah, it it really does feel like he's the only guy, this includes Dumoulin and when Latang's out there, that can just transition on his own. Like, just gets the puck and goes, right, well, I've got it. I can do this myself and, and gets everything moving. And, and the other thing with that, though, is that the players trust him to do it. Like, the forwards I mean, break. When he has it, they go. He's either going to get it to him with a, with a stretch pass or he's going to skate by a few and maybe maybe get the line himself or give that that shuffle the shovel pass off to the boards just across the blue line for them to to break into the zone with control. And unlike last time, you know Justin Schultz isn't there to to try and pull off a poor man's Latang routine, which he does do quite well at times. <laughs> yes, but he's he's out, so now they're both out, and you're left with Yuso Rikola playing and. Marcus Pedersen, Olimata, who, you know, whatever. Um, Jamie Alexiak, who, shocker, regressed back to what he was in Dallas, just like the shock that Trevor Daly regressed back to what he was in Dallas. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of... A lot of Penguins analysis that I've seen falls in love with the small sample. Because it's something you can write about. It's a cha- it, it's, it comes down to what works for the writer, not what works for the people reading. And I think the thing that frustrates me is that a lot of that stuff doesn't get challenged enough. It's like the questions that get asked at press conferences. And I know that it's, it's self-defeating to be constantly aggressive towards the general manager or the coach on particular topics because you've got to have a relationship with the team, one, to allow, to be allowed to ask the questions, and two, to get into the locker room and stuff. So there is, across all sports, so this isn't just Pittsburgh-based, but across all sports, it's really hard to wheedle out good answers to allow for good analysis if you're reliant upon being nice enough to get to ask the questions to begin with so it's a fine line to to sort of run and i think too many in the media 
err on the side of be nice rather than let's actually look at what's going on here and try and get some answers. I mean, it's why I don't do much statistical analysis the first half of the year because what, what am I going to do with a five-game sample? Get hyper excited? I can't. Pre- I can't do it. <laughs> I genuinely know that the five-game sample doesn't mean shit. And it's highly volatile. And they can be great, five-game samples, but it just tells me what happened. There's no predictive value. So I suppose when these things come out, where's the whole, well, you wrote this back here, where's the mere culpa from the people that write it and go, yeah, it was a small sample size, I got excited. Like, there's none of that. There's no ownership of these. Like, you've got to take an ownership by going, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait until we get to... I know, probably about now-ish, you've started to push out some more numbery-based kind of things. But I don't have a magic number. I just... You get a feel for it. I know it's not five. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, when you do your rolling averages for things, you you what do you do? You go for, what, 15-game rolling averages and stuff like that when you look at on Corsica? At least, at least 10. Yeah. Corsica have rolling averages? I thought it did. It's been that long since I've jumped on there. I don't know if they do. I've kind of um, haven't done anything with rolling averages in a while. Um, I've had trouble finding them. Yeah. I know I know. Um, Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey does them. Um, he's been doing them five-game rolling averages. He has the a very nice uh, visual charts that look uh, very crisp with the logos and such on Twitter. Um, because five games rolling averages really all you can do so early in the year. Yeah. 10 game rolling average. You're like, Nope. <laughs> Don't have enough games. You've only got three rolls. So at least with this, you've got six now. So I mean, there there will be more of that from me coming up, uh, as as the samples continue to grow, and I feel like there's somewhat of a predictive aspect to them. So, yeah, and a lot of this is okay. Who are they playing with? <laughs> the quality of teammate. I, I can't stress it enough. It, it really. Makes yeah, remember, breaks a lot of players. I can't remember. There was a big debate at some point on Hockey Twitter about what's more important to result, quality of competition or quality of teammate. And I thought it bent on the side of quality of teammate. I I would go on teammate. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's where I, I think that's where the majority of people landed is that it was quality of teammate more so than uh, quality of comp that um, that did it for everybody in regards to their results. So, well, we didn't really talk much about the on ice play. Um, I know you have to get going, but the Chicago game and in the LA game. The amount of shots that they gave up, um, and even to the Bruins, who are without, were without Bergeron and Chara, a little bit troubling. They're bleeding too many shots. It's it's quite clear that they have to sort out how they fix that. How they do it, you could do it in a multitude of ways, but they have to reduce the volume of shots they're giving up. They can't afford to bleed that many shots. You know, and four years ago. That stretch of games, uh, Chicago, Boston, L.A., if you were bleeding sh- – sorry, excuse me. If you're bleeding shots, you'd be like, oh, well, duh, they're great. But two of those teams suck. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give Pittsburgh credit. They haven't fallen into that suck mode yet, you know. No, no, they're, 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 they are not the Blackhawks. They are not the Kings. They are staying afloat much better than the other ones. But they've also had the better core. Yes. Yeah, it has so, helped. Um, well, you you get on your way. Don't don't miss uh, your 
your transportation. Well, I have to get to work, I suppose. <laughs> so, um, glad glad we were able to reconvene this week. Yes, and we've got the one hopefully next week, just before Christmas. Yeah, and I think it's a four game week for the Penguins, so uh, should be lots to talk about. Woohoo! All right, guys. I am O U T T Y. Have a good week, and I'll see you next week. All right. See you guys and girls. Adios.